Shukach everyone. So we are still in 93B, 93B3, which is a Mishnah. Today is going to be a nice topic. I mean, all of them been, uh, have been very nice. So still with Otsa. A Moitzi or Cholin. If somebody takes out from domain to domain, Pachos Mikashur Bechli, less than the amount that we spoke now as an example food or halin like it's a dried fig so he takes half of a dry fig on a plate on a container says the Mishnah he would be exempt even for the container why? because the container becomes secondary to the food we mentioned this some time ago, briefly, that this becomes tough and becomes secondary. The objective is not to take out the clear, rather the food stuff. So he's completely exempt. Continues the Mishnah. If a person carries out a living person on a bed, he's exempt for both, for the person and for the bed. And regarding the person, the Gemara is going to speak about it, a principle called, a principle called Achai Noise Esatmo. A living person carry, living person carry himself. We're going to speak about it. And the bed is the same idea. The bed is secondary to the person. Then Esames Bimita, but somebody that is dead Obviously, he cannot carry himself, and therefore, somebody takes out a corpse on a bed, he or she is going to be liable for the transfer. And similarly, says the Mishnah, Now, the Mishnah is about to, to say the minimum amount of different things that convey Tuma. So, if a person takes that out, Obviously, because he doesn't want the tumor to be in his house, so he's going to be liable. So, what is the amount of a corpse that conveys tumor? A kazais, the size of an olive, or kazais min anevela, or even if it's an animal carcass, also one olive size. Shratzen, we spoke about it many times are those animals, the eight uh, types of animals that they have a stronger level of tumor and they, they have a stringency that even as small as a lentil size of a sheret also conveys tumor and therefore by taking that out from the domain to domain on Shabbos a person is going to be liable and, but this is the opinion of Rabbi Yude, Rabbi Shimon Potter Rabbi Shimon exempts him. So over here, if you look in the footnotes, and we spoke about it many times previously, regarding the principle called melacha shenatzicha legufa. When somebody does a melacha, a labor, but uh, he is not intended for the purpose of the labor. Now, there's a little bit of uh, the opinions between Rashi and Toysos. How do you define enatzicha legufa that you don't need the, the, the final uh, goal of the labor. The one is more gen generally used, which is Rashi's. Over here, somebody took out 
either the tumor or the corpse just because not because he wants it to be out for himself for the person taking it out he just doesn't want it to be inside of his house either doesn't want tumor in his house doesn't want the smell in his house so you're not doing the tumor to achieve something you are doing the, 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 the you're not doing the melaha to achieve something you're doing the melaha to avoid something that for sure is not a melaha according to Rabbi Uda, he's the first opinion in the Mishnah nevertheless he's going to be liable this is a famous argument that Rabbi Uda is Mechaev Melacha Shenatzicha Legufa he says even this type of Melacha you are, you are li- liable but according to Rabbi Shimon only when you have the intent as I said for something the Gemara actually is going to speak about it then you're going to be liable uh, Taisos take a look later on narrows down even a bit more the definition of Einatzicha Legufa so the Gemara brings a price. If a person took out the right amount of food uh, from uh, domain to domain, now if he takes that on a vessel, just like we saw in the Mishnah, the container becomes secondary to the food he will only be liable for the food. But let's say he wants both of them. He wants the food, but he also wants the vessel because he's going to use it for a different purpose. So says the price, he's going to be liable for both. For one korban chatas for the food and one korban chatas for the kli, for the vessel. Says the Gemara, Shmamina. So can we infer from here? If a person ate two sides of uh, of chaleb of forbidden fats on Shab, non Shabbos, somebody transgress eating forbidden fats. So the minimum amount to transgress to be required for a korban is a kazais. So he had two olive sizes, two kazaisim one after the other in one lapse of awareness so then time he should be liable for two uh, offerings because it's similar to here says the brisa if he took out one size of a food item plus the container and he needs the container he's liable for twice so says again more the same thing you should say eating two eyes Caleb this forbidden fat you should be liable for two korbanos and look in the footnotes that nobody holds like that maybe one opinion called sumchus were in doubt if according to him he would be liable eating two olives of, of helif he would be liable for two so from this price you could prove that you're liable because it's similar to the case of shabbos omar says no he wouldn't be liable for two uh, eating two kazaises of a chaleb. This price is not referring that he's going to be liable to two hat- hatos, one for the food and one for the container. Rather, Kegon, we're dealing in a case, he did inadvertently the food 
he thought maybe it was less of the amount of food. Very easy directly, but the vessel, the container, he knew it was forbidden, and nevertheless he took it deliberately on Shabbos from domain to domain. So therefore, says Rav Sheshes, the Brisa didn't say he would be liable for two offerings. The Brisa said he would be liable twice. So says Rav Sheshes, one for the food that was by mistake, he didn't know he had the right, the, the enough of an amount that he was Beshegek, has to bring an animal. But the one he did on purpose, that says Rav Sheshes, he's liable death penalty, skila. Or if you, there was no, no, no witnesses, so he's going to be with the, with the Shemaim, but he's going to be Chakares, he's going to be soul cut off. So that's what the Mishnah meant, the Brisa. And therefore, going back to the question of the two olives, a person eating two sides of olive of Helen wouldn't bring two Korbanos. Maski, Ravashi, Ravashi is going to challenge this. But hold on, the Raisa says, The, the word have means also. So the Raisa said, also on account of the container, and that means that it's adding to the previous liability. They have to be the same liabilities. So if the previous one was for the food, a korban hatras, the word af also is telling us that even for the container, has to be a korban hatras. So says Abashi, a different way of understanding the price. Elam Abashi, rather, kegong, we're dealing in a case, sheshagag vezubeze, both things was without intention, the food and the container. But what happened over here? Venodaloi, vehaza venodaloi. So, he did the act, he took at once a food item, enough of a size, on a container. Then, but he inadvertently, he, for some reason, he didn't know was something wrong. Then he found out initially that he transgressed by taking out the food item. And after that, he found out that he had transgressed by taking out the container. So because there were two separate awareness in the, in the lapse of his liability, so this is related to the plukta of the plukta Rabbi Yohanan and Rabbi Shimon Lakish that we saw previously between Rabbi Yohanan and Rish Lakish. So according to Rabbi Yohanan, once the awareness of the sin is in separate times, the person has to bring two different korbanos, two different offerings. And therefore, this b'risa follows Rabbi Yohanan. But in the case of the olives of Hele, would be the same thing. If the person find, founds, uh, finds out that he ate twice Hele, if he finds out in the middle of it, we saw previously, according to Rabbi Yohanan, he has to bring two korbanos. And according to Rish Lakish, no. Even if there was an awareness after each one of the transgressions, he will only end up bringing one korban. And Rashi brings, and look in the footnotes in the English, that these two opinions, the last one was Ravashi, and the previous one was Ravsheshes, they both of them follow the two different Amoraim. So Ravashi follows Rabbi Yohanan, and therefore he explains the Brisa, the way I just explained it. But since Ravsheshes follows 
Rish Lakish, and therefore, even in two times of awareness, he only would be liable for one Korban Hatos. So that's why Rav Shoshis learned the Braisa, that when the Braisa said he's liable for two, the Braisa meant to say one is going to be the Korban, the other one is going to be death penalty because he did it intentionally. Okay, now let's move on to the next topic, which is carrying a living person. So said the Mishnah, if somebody carries a live person on a bed, patron of Alamita, he would be exempt even for the bed because it's secondary. So says the Gemara, so this famous concept we're about to analyze that a living person carries himself in generally is the opinion of Rabbi Nasan, as the Gemara is about to present. So maybe our Mishnah is only Rabbi Nasan's opinion and not Rabbanan. Maybe according to Rabbanan, a person would be liable for carrying even a living person from domain to domain. The Tanya, look in the Bryce. A person that carries out a domesticated animal, a wild animal, or a bird into public domain. So over here in Johannesburg, we have an Eruv. But let's say when there's no Eruv, you are in New York and you take out your little dog and you and you carry your dog to the street. So according to the first opinion, you're going to be liable. So, whether they're alive or whether they are being already shechted, slaughtered, you're going to be liable. No, if they are being slaughtered, okay, you're liable because they're not live. But al if they're alive, you're going to be exempt. So this is the principle that a living creature supports its own weight. So therefore, it's only Rabbi Nosan, the one that holds that principle. So we should say that our Mishnah that says that a person taking out in a bed a living human being, he's exempt, is only Rabbi Nosan, that he's only the only one that holds of the principle, a a living creature supports its own weight. Look in the footnote number seven, they explain a beautiful idea. So according to Rashi, the simple way of understanding it is because a living person or a living animal tries to balance itself when you're taking it out. So therefore it makes it easier to take it out. And therefore we consider you are not doing much caring, he's helping you and that's why you're exempt. Toysos has an issue with that. Because Toysos, so what if it's easier to carry? At the end of the day, you are transferring. Like to take uh, uh, the amount of food of a dried fig is not difficult, nevertheless, that is the amount you're going to be liable. So why the fact that because he's alive, he balances himself and makes it easier for you to take him out, why that should be a factor to make you exempt from carrying? So Toysos, a beautiful approach, is completely different. Toysos says, that we never found in the Mishkan a melacha of carrying a living animal. He said there were three animals that were used in the Mishkan. The ram, the sasgona in Aramek, how is the, the, the tachash, 
that their, their skins were used for the Mishkan and the Hilazon that there was used for the dye for the Tcheles. And the, the three of them, they didn't carry them alive. So says Toysos, so that's why carrying a living animal is, is, is not a melacha. You never found that in the Mishkan. So then does explain, but then for what do we need the concept of a high noise satsmo, that a living person carries itself? Just tell me very simple, it's not a melacha. What mean the living person carries its own weight? So say it's also something beautiful, that if not for that principle, the high noise satsmo, there was room to say, okay, we don't find in the Mishkan carrying a living animal, but we indeed we saw in the Mishkan carrying dead animals. So what should be the difference? Maybe it's a toilda, maybe it's a concept, maybe it's a, a derivate of the Abba Melacha. So the factor of a highness tatmo that a living person carries its own weight comes to tell you that there's a there's a very important difference between carrying a dead animal or carrying a living animal. And that's why that big difference tells you it's not the same melacha. But according to Tosis, it's not that this principle is, is, is the root of the exemption. It's only something to clarify that once you don't find it in the Mishkan, this cannot be included in the melacha of carrying a dead animal. Okay, so going back to the Gemara. So says the Gemara, but the, who holds of that opinion? Only Rabbi Nassan. So our Mishnah is only Rabbi Nassan. Says the Gemara, Amarobe, no, Afilotema Rabbanan. In the case of our Mishnah, maybe even the sages concur with him, accord with him. Why? At Kano Pligi Rabbanan and Arbinosan, you shouldn't say that they're arguing the sages with Arbinosan, Elabema Hayabeov, only regarding that case of the Brisa, a domestic, domesticated animal, a wild animal, a bird. The the because these creatures they become more stuffed when you try to carry them because they won't escape. So Chachamim say even though in principle there's such a thing of high noises but when it comes to animals they don't help you the other way around they they become even harder because they won't escape. That is regarding animals or birds. Avaladam chai. But regarding a human being, well, yes, the noise atmo, you can definitely say, even the sages agree, that supports itself, and therefore, to this principle, even the sages would agree on the principle, high noise atmo. So we can even say that our Mishnah follows the Chachamim. Now, the Gemara has a bit of a difficulty over here. Rabbi told to Rabbi, the others not, but hold on. There is a Mishnah that says, Ben Becerra Matir Besus. Now, that Mishnah, it's in Psochim, is dealing, and in Abodazora, regarding selling uh, animals of a burden to non Jews. And the problem is that if you would sell your horse, your cow, your uh, your uh, donkey to a non-Jew, that would be okay. But if you only lend it to him or rent it to him, so the non-Jew might end up using your animal on Shabbos. And the Torah says, we do it in, we say it in Kiddush, 
Venach has to raise Hamorcha, your donkey and your horse and your oxen or animals has to raise on Shabbos. So you might be end up transgressing the provision of the Torah of your animal working on Shabbos if you only lend it to a non-Jew. So uh, to avoid that, Chachamim made a gzera, a fence, that a Jew shouldn't sell any animals that can carry anything to a non-Jew. And the gzera is don't sell it let, let's, let, lest you end up just lending it or renting it. On that, Ben Becerra disagrees with the Chachamim regarding horses. And that is what the Mishnah says. Ben Becerra matil besus. Ben Becerra permits the sale of an animal to a non-Jew in the case of a horse. That is the Mishnah over there. Betania. And there's a price explaining that. Ben Becerra matil besus. Why does he permit in regarding the case of a horse? Because... Uh, the kind of, of uh, work that is being done through a horse is only uh, taking a rider, a human being. That that is not a melacha de raisa. You know, riding an animal on Shabbos is forbidden only with the Rabbanan. But from the Torah, that wouldn't be a problem. So, according to, uh, to Rabbi Yudha Ben Beseira, that um, with a horse, there's no problem to sell it to a non-Jew, because even if a Jew ended up ends up just lending it to a non-Jew, what can happen on Shabbos? The non-Jew might end up riding the horse. So what is the big deal? That is not transgressing the Torah. That is the price explaining the opinion of Ben Beseira. And uh, Rabbi Yochanan. Now. The cash is coming from Rabbi Yochanan's understanding Ben Becerra. Rabbi Yochanan said, Ben Becerra, the Rabbi Nassan, Amrud Oh, you know why Ben Becerra says that is not a problem, even if the non-Jew uh, goes on the, on the horse, because he follows Rabbi Nassan's principle that a living creature supports its own weight. Now, they are, and if you tell me, Rabbi, the Lopliki Rabbi Nassan, that the sages do not disagree with Rabbi Nassan, only, only regarding domesticated animals, wild animals, or a bird. So, and as you explained, because the animals stiffen themselves. So then, when, when Rabbi Yudha Ben Becerra said that it's okay, so Rabbi Nassan, why Rabbi Yochanan said, that is only Rabbi Ben Becerra following Rabbi Nosson. In the case of a human being, even, even the Chochami would agree that there's no prohibition of a human being on a horse because the human being carries himself. So there's no melacha of the horse carrying the rider. So how you understand that? So Rabbi answers to Rabbi Adabar Haba, Kikama Rabbi Yochanan, in which case did Rabbi Yochanan say that Ben Becerra follows Rabbi Nassan? We're speaking specifically on a case of a certain horse that it's set aside to carry birds. So if you look in the footnotes, well, the Gemara is about to let me keep on reading. It says, 
Is there, is there such a thing as a horse set aside just for carrying birds? Says Gemara, yes, in Ikadeben Vayodan. The horses are the bird hunters. So look in the footnotes that the bird hunters would bring with them special birds that would go and catch other birds. So they would transport these birds on horses to easy them the journey and then we need to fly for, it, for them to be easier to fly. So so the Chachamim hold, since sometimes people would use a horse for these animals, and in the case of using a horse for the bird, would be yes, carrying, because according to Chachamim, we don't say about birds that they carry their own weight. So that's why Chachamim said, so even horses, you're not allowed to sell any horse to a non-Jew, you might end up just lending it, and the non-Jew might end up using it for this type of bird. And according to Ben Becerra, even even when it comes to a bird, wouldn't be a problem because he was like Rabbi Nelson, that even regarding animals, we say that an animal carries its own weight. But going back to our Mishnah, we can definitely say that even the sages agree when it comes to human being that the human being carries his own weight, even according to Chachamim. Okay, Abba Rabbi Yochanan, Umadi Rabbi Nassam, Vekapus. But Rabbi Nassam agrees with the Chachamim, if you tie uh, uh, the animal, then he would be considered transferring, because once he's tied, he's not carrying its own weight. Omale now, Rabada uh, Baramasna questions Abaye. But hold on. When you tell me that something that cannot really move, then you don't apply the principle of Rabbi Nosan. Look at these Persians. So these Persians, uh, they, they ride the horses that is in a way, they give Seidamo as one that is tied up, because these Persians, they really hardly move anything. So according to that principle, so according to Ben, to, to ben Becerra, you shouldn't allow to sell horses, because if you end up selling to a Persian, a Persian hardly moves. It's like somebody that's been tied up, and the principle wouldn't apply. And we are Rabbi Yohanan, and Rabbi Yochanan said that Ben Becerra is following completely Rabbi Nason. So if according to Rabbi Nason, something or somebody that cannot move, then you don't apply the principle that he's lifting, carrying his own weight. So then, because of these Persians, they hardly walk, then you shouldn't be able to sell any horses because might end up coming to a Persian. So, the, the Gemara by himself answered, no, awesome. No, the Persians for sure they can walk. Ramos Ruhau, the Nakileo. It's only because they're, they're very arrogant that they hardly walk. But if they need, tell us the Gemara, the Gemara tells us a story. The Upardashka, there was one certain Persian officer, the Rasach Malchai Lavei, that the king was very angry against him, wanted to kill him. The right classic Parsi, and he ended up running three Parsaos, which is 12 kilometers by foot 
to be able to escape the king. So we see that if they need, they do run. It's just very, very so arrogant that they hardly move. But definitely Rabbi Nassim would agree that if he would be tied up, then we don't apply the principle of a living person carries its own weight. Okay. Um, now, if one carries a corpse on a bed, for sure it's going to be liable. Chayable, a chayab. Vehen kazais in a mess, and also says the Mishnah, if one carries from domain to domain a part of a corpse, the size of an olive, he's liable. Rabbi Shimon says he's exempt. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, Amar Rabbi Yosef, Amar Rabbi Shimon Lakish, and also Rabbi Yosef in the name of Rabbi Shimon Melakish, Potter Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon would exempt. Next page. Av b'moitzies a meis lekovro. Even in the case when somebody is carrying out a corpse in order to bury to bury it. So even such that you're taking somebody on Shabbos to bury that corpse. Nevertheless, according to Rabbi Shimon, is considered melacha shena tzicha legufa. So now the Gemara is going to analyze this principle that because it's not for a positive intended purpose, rather you're doing for the deceased, not for you. So therefore, you are exempt. So uh, the Gemara is going to clarify all this. Omar Rabbi Umad Rabbi Shimon, but Rabbi Shimon would agree. Be mar lachporbo, in a situation when it carries out a hole in order to dig with it, or a sefer Torah, a sefer Torah likroi's boy, or a Torah scroll in order to read from it, the chayav that the person is going to be liable because there's an intrinsic benefit of taking all these items to the public domain, so therefore it's a true melacha. The Gemara questions on Rabbi Pshita. This is obvious. If you would say that taking all these items to use them is also considered live or not needed for a defined purpose, how would you ever find, according to Rabbi Shimon Melacha, that you need it for a defined purpose? Says There was room to say the following. You might have said that according to Rabbi Shimon, you need two things for the sake of the person taking it out and for the sake of the thing that's been taken out. But if one of them is missing, still would be exempt. As what can be an example when you need for both? Let's say when you take out a hoe to make also a plate for it. So you're taking out to fix it to fix the hole and also to be able to dig with it. So over here, you're taking, you're doing the melacha that is beneficial for the person doing the melacha and for the object that's been taken out. Or Sefer Torah, or somebody taking out a Torah, scroll, like to fix it and also to read from it. So there was room to say that only in those situations, when you have both then only then Rabbi Shimon said you're gonna be liable, Kamash Malan. Therefore, Rabbi comes to, to let us know that no. Uh, 
when you take it out and it serves a purpose for the person taking it out, that is a full melacha according to Rabbi Shimon. And going back to the case of a person that's been taken out to be, to be uh, buried, because over there there's no real gain for the living one, for the one doing the, the otzah, for the one taking out the corpse, for him there's no real gain. That's why, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's considered melacha shenatzikale gufa and it's going to be exempt. Now the Gemara tells us a story. Once upon a time, there was a person that died. The other be Dorkra, in a place called Dorkra. The Shara Rab Nachmaritzak lepukei lecharmelis, and Rab Itzak Rab Nachmaritzak permitted people to take it out from where it was and place it on a carmelis. Some Rishonim explain by means of a loaf of bread or a baby on up on top of it because it's mukse. Some say even without that. Now, when he permitted to take this corpse, and this in Rashi, look in the footnotes, either because the corpse is going to get rot with the sun or some situation that they needed to protect it. So he permitted to do it. Rabbi Yohanan Ahua de Marbre de Rabba de Rabana de Rabana Maritzak, but then Rabbi Yohanan, the brother of Mar, the son of Rabana, said to Rabbi Maritzak, Keman, according to whom you were able to permit such a thing, Rabbi Shimon, you think that just because it's Melachashinatzikalugufa is going to be okay? Says, Emo de Patar, Rabbi Shimon, Michiub Hatas. Okay, Rabbi Shimon says he's going to be exempt. From Achatas, from transgressing the Torah. Isura de Rabana Mia Eika. But nevertheless, Lechatchila, it should be forbidden. So, how come you, Lechatchila, permitted to do Melachashinatzicha Legufa? To do an act even when you don't need the, the intent, the not intent, the, the defined purpose. So, Ramnachma replied to him, I like him, like, by God I swear to you. The eyeless beat. Even you, if you understand my ruling, you also will take it out on your, on your own. And not, in a, not according to Rabbi Shimon, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, that he holds that you cannot transfer a corpse on Shabbos, even according from the Torah. Why over here it was okay? Did I permit people to take this corpse to the public domain? No. The Carmelis Kamina. I told them just take it out to a Carmelis. And we already learned that a Carmelis is only made Rabanan. So we saw already many times, even in Brajos, Gabal Kadavrio is, is big, the human dignity. That it even suspends the provision of the Torah we spoke about recently. So there was a need over here for, to protect the corpse of this deceased. And if it was only a Carmelis Midorabanan, that's why it was permissible. Okay? Now let's move on to the last case of the Mishnah. Tnana Sam says in another Mishnah, in the Goim, Atoilej Simanei Tuma, one who plucks out the signs of Tuma from a Tsar's affliction. So look in the footnotes. If you have a mark in the skin of tsaras, 
the to be to be able to be for shutsaras he needs to have two white hairs so if the coin comes and he see the the, the the white color of the skin that looks like saras and in that circle of the coloration there's two white hairs then the coin rules that is saras now the person might want to come and pluck out take out the white hairs because if there's no if there's no white hairs then there's no saras and for that we have a lab we have a, a, a prohibition from the Torah to remove anything from the nega so if somebody takes out those hairs he would be transgressing a lab a provision from the Torah or similarly the or somebody burns a little bit of a mechia mechia is like you have like a little bit of burn also like a different color in your skin but in the center of it he has normal skin so also to try to hide it a person might come to burn that that to has a scorch the the inside for everything to look in the same type of color also that will be prohibited with a laugh so says the Mishnah if any person does any of this over Belotase he transgresses a negative command of the Torah this is a Mishnah now regarding Danish Mishnah Itmar there was the following opinions in the rabbis so says like this Ahas Mishtaim if somebody plucked out one of the two hairs higher he for she is going to be liable because if the coin would have seen the two hairs he would declare his tummy now that he only left one hair the coin cannot say his tummy so he transgressed this prohibition but ahas mishalosh now what if the guy had three white hairs and he only plucked out one of the three so machlekes According to Rav according to Rav he's going to be liable. We're going to see some why. And Rav Shesha says, Patu Rav Shesha says, he is exempt. He didn't transgress the Torah. So Rav Nachman, according to Rav he's liable. Even one out of three, he anima sab. Because the person is potentially consequential, meaning to say, they mish takla chada achrisi, in case that one, of, one more hair will come remove then as a little tumor there would be no tumor the tumor would go away so by taking out one and only leaving two he's helping the situation to easily become pure and even in that situation therefore he would be liable now if still the tumor is still present so because he left two hairs and when he took one out of three and he left two there's still he left tuma in the skin he didn't transgress the prohibition says let me prove my point from a different place there's none it says in the mishnah or mishnah the very end of our mishnah if a person took out a size of an olive from a corpse or shel or uh, an olive size of an animal carcass Chaya, he's going to be liable this according to Rav Yudah 
says Rav Sheshes, ah, chazi, is patur. So clearly, even from Rav Yuda, that he says he's liable, only because he took the size of one olive. Zais, a chazi zais, but if he would have taken only half the volume of an olive, he would be exempt. Now, Vatania, this is the Mishnah. But look what it says in the Brisa. The Brisa says, Chatzizah is Chayav. The Brisa says, even only half of an olive, he's going to be liable. So how can you reconcile our Mishnah and our Brisa? Says Rav says, my love, isn't it the case? Adetania Chayav, when the Brisa said that he's liable for only half of the olive size, Zais Nikazais. That was the case, there was uh, only one olive, and from that olive size of the corpse, he cut it in half, and he took the other half. And that's why he's going to be liable, because when there was a full olive, then there was full tumor. And when he cut it, now there's no tumor, which is similar to the case of somebody having two hairs, and taking out one, by removing one, he removed the tumor. And that's why he's liable. And then our Mishnah, the other snan in our Mishnah Patur, our Mishnah said that if one takes an olive, he's going to be exempt. No, our Mishnah says one size of, a lobby, uh, one size of an olive is going to be liable, but half, we, we made an inference, would be exempt. There will be hearts. In the case when he removed half of an olive, when there was one and a half, which is similar when somebody had three hairs and he only plucked one and he left two, the same thing over here. If you, were, if you had one and a half and you only took out half and you left one, so you see that as long as you left the amount of tumor, then it's, you're not liable. So Rav Sheshes, between the Mishnah and the Brisa, brings a proof to his point. But Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, no, 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 no. Individual Chayav. In both cases, whether you only have one, kaza, one Zayis or one and a half Zayis, the person would be liable. The other And then why you would infer from our Mishnah that only with one Kaza is going to be liable, but if you take only half, you're going to be exempt. Because our mission is dealing with the case, because there was in the house not only just one and a half sizes of an olive, there was much more than that. It was a large corpse. So therefore, because it was a large amount, by you only taking half of a size, you didn't make it easier for then the rest of the, the corpse left in to, to go lesser than the amount of tumor. But in the case when it's so close, only one and a half, you take half, or she's gonna be liable, and the same thing over here. If somebody had three white hairs and plucks one of them, also he would be liable. Let's move on to the next Mishnah. Now, if you look in the footnotes in the next Mishnah, in footnote number 20, everybody asks, what is this Mishnah doing over here? <laughs> We're speaking for many chapters of Hilchos Atzah, 
of the ruling of taking out from domain to domain. And this is a complete new topic. This is a topic of some told us of some others. So let's go into the Mishnah. They don't bring the answer. <laughs> one could remove his fingernails one with another. Meaning to say, meaning to say, one uses the edge of one of his fingernails as a blade to remove the others. Or somebody bites and with his teeth he removes the nails. The or somebody also plucks with his hands his hair, or or his mustache, or his beard, and likewise a woman who braids her hair, or a lady that paints the, with makeup the eyes around the eyes, and also a lady that fixes her hair. All this the government is going to explain. So according to Rabbi Elias and Mechaev, Rabbi Elias said a person is going to be liable for transgressing Shabbos. Chachamim say no, it's only rabbinical prohibited, but the Raisa would be okay. So the Gemara clarifies what's going on in the Mishnah. Omar Rabbi Lazar, so Rabbi Lazar de Amora is going to explain the argument over here. The dispute between Rabbi Eliezer de Tana and the Chachamim, it's when somebody is removing the hairs only by hand, or even the nails, by hand. But if a person is doing it, speaking of the nails, but if a person removes the nails with a vessel, with an instrument, scissors, then even Chachamim would agree that he's liable. Says Gemara, Pshita, Zubezutnan. The Gemara says, obvious that he's going to be liable because the Mishnah said that it was a case when somebody was removing a, a nail with another nail. Says the Gemara, no, Mother Tema, Rabbi Meklin, Patri. No, there was room to say that in truth, the, the rabbis would exempt even with an instrument. Why? Look in the footnote number 24. Because the melach of a shearing applies only to cotton wool of an animal. So there was room to say, even if somebody takes a nail clipper to cut his nails on a Shabbos from the Torah, that wouldn't be a melacha. And the reason why the Mishnah said a case when somebody was removing one fingernail with another fingernail was only to let us know, to teach us the power and the extent of Rabbi Eliezer's stringency that even by hand, according to Rabbi Eliezer, is liable. There was room to learn the mission like that. So that's why we need the Amora Rabbi Lozar to let us know that not. That when it comes to an instrument, the rabbis agree that if somebody cuts his nails with an nail clipper, he's going to be transgressing and shearing from the Torah. And the only argument in the Mishnah is when he's doing by hand that according to Ravana, that's, that's not the normal way of cutting nails. Yamar Lazar and Rabbi Lazar further said, And again, the argument in the Mishnah is dealing only when somebody was cutting his own fingernails, fingernails and in that case, according to Rabbi, Lo Rabbi Eliezer, he's going to be liable 
a person is such an expert to remove his own fingernails with his fingernails, then he's liable. But even Abeliezer would agree <coughs> that if somebody removes the fingernails of somebody else using his fingernails, then he's going to be exempt. The Gemara again questions, Pshita, Tsipornav, Tlan. It's obvious because the Mishnah said that only for removing his own fingernails, he's going to be liable. Again, the Gemara says, Mode Teima says, there was room to say the following. That indeed, Rabbi Eliezer would say that even when somebody cuts somebody else's fingernails, he would be liable. And why then the Mishnah said his own fingernails? Only to show you the extent of how Chachamim are lenient, that even when it comes to his own fingernails, according to Rabbanan, he's going to be exempt. That's why Kamash Malan, we need Rabbi Lazar, the Amora, to teach us that not. That Rabbi Eliezer agrees, somebody removing somebody else's fingernails, fingernails, he's going to be exempt. Okay, let's move on in the Mishnah. Regarding the hair. Again, the Gemara says, the Mishnah, according to Rabbi Eliezer, somebody plucking his hair with the hands is liable, according to Hamino. Tana, he says in the Braisa, if somebody removes with a scissors tip full of hair on Shabbos, he's going to be liable. Again, somebody takes the scissors and cuts with the top of the scissors his hair. That amount of hair cut with scissors, a person is liable of goises, of shearing. The Gemara asks, the Hamamelopi Azug, how much is this amount, the scissors tip full? Amarabiyadoshtayim. It says two hairs. If you cut with scissors two hairs, according to Hamim, liable from the, sorry, from the Torah. Says the Gemara Batanya, but the same price says, regarding the provision against tearing out hair regarding a disease. The Torah says, if somebody dies, we're not permitted, as the idolaters used to do, to pluck our hairs as a sign of mourning. How many hairs, if a person plucks out as mourning, would be liable? The price says, two. So, from that we learn that the previous amount has to be a different amount. So, says again, what I know? Eima, let me tell you how to read the price. That is the same amount, whether for the melach of Shabbos, of Geziza, of Goizes, of shearing, or for the transgression of not plucking hair when somebody dies, is the same amount, which is two hairs. And the Gemara brings a brisa proving this point. Tanina Miyahi is being taught in a brisa, and not a meloi pizug beshabes chayav. If someone removes a scissors tip full of hair on the Shabbos, you may liable for chatas. How much is this amount? Shtaim to hairs. So this confirms what Rabbi Yuda, Rabbi Yuda de Amora said regarding our Mishnah. Now, Rabbi Eliezer Eliezer disagrees, he's always very stringent, and according to Rabbi Eliezer the Tana, even by somebody cutting one hair, 
he's going to be liable. Umodin Chacham Rabeliezer, the sages agree <coughs> with Rabeliezer, when even cutting only one hair, you're going to be liable. Bemelaket Lebanos Mitoch Shchorois. A person like Anthony Schneider, Shetichir, should be live a long life. You're still young. I haven't noticed you have any white hairs. So if somebody like you, that among your normal color hair, finds a white hair, and you don't want to look old like me, there are already some whites on my hair. Even only one white hair, if you want to remove it, you're going to leave liable. Because that is important. People that are still young don't want to have white hairs that makes them look old. Says the, the Gemora, and to do that, to remove a white hair out of your hair, not to look old, even in weekdays, is going to be forbidden by the Pasuk Mishum Lo Ilvash Gever Simla Sisha. A man shall not wear a woman's garment, meaning to say that we men are not allowed to do things that usually ladies do. And this plucking out white hairs is a woman's thing. They don't want to look old. So by us doing that thing would be similar to what ladies do. And not only on Shabbos would be forbidden, even during the week would be forbidden. Okay, going back to cutting nails. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon Azarimer. This is a this is a different Tana. We haven't heard his we haven't heard his opinion. Rabbi Shimon Azar the Tana says, "Tzipa If a fingernail that has become detached most of the way, or cuticles. Cuticles are the little pieces of skin, also by the nails that stick out. So also if you have one of those." that uh, most of it has become detached, that, that become detached most of the way. So according to him, then on Shabbos you can just remove it, even even from the outset, is permitted just to finish removing it, either the nail or the skin, the, the cuticle. It was most of it already separated, only by hand. But to use an instrument to remove it, that would be asur minatoira. And if you do it, you need to bring a korban chatos. Says the Gemara, that makes absolutely no sense. Me, Kamidi, could be such a thing. The Bekli Chayav, that according to the Torah, you could be liable or chatos, would be yad muto de that if you do it with a utensil, you transgress the Torah. And you can tell me rabbinically you can do it from the outset? When did you find such a thing? Says the Gemara, you are right. Rather, Ahikamar, this is what the Brisa must be telling us. Pirishuruban, if they either fingernail or the cortical become detached most of the way, so beyat mutar beklipaturabalasur. So removing it with the hand is permitted even a khathila. From the outset, no problem. Even rabbinically, you can. With an instrument, but with an instrument, you shouldn't rabbinically, but if you did it, no transgression from the Torah. Now, but if the nail or the cuticle didn't split 
didn't get the touch most of the way, then for sure you can't. The yad pattern of Alasur, if you do it with your hand, remove it with your hand, you shouldn't rabbinically. But if you did it, you didn't transgress. And if you did it with an instrument, it's mamish milachad yoraisa, and he will liable for a chatas. And on that, Amar Rabiude, Rabiude commented, Alaha Rabishimu and Lazar, the Alaha follows Rabishimu and Lazar. Okay. Let's just end up the one more, one more paragraph. Amar Rabba Barhan Amar Yohanan, Veushe Pershu Klapei Mala. This permission, as we just explained, is only that the cuticles have become detached toward the top of the finger, meaning to say they disconnected starting near the fingertip and they're peeling back toward the base of the nail. Because in that case, they would cause him significant amount of discomfort and therefore would be permitted. But, however, if they disconnected standing near the base of the nail and they're peeling back towards the fingertip over there, the rabbis did not permit the removal because the discomfort felt is not so, so such much of a discomfort.